0: Welcome to the Open Adoption Project. We're the Nelsons. I'm Sean.
1: And I'm Lynette. Today we are excited to have an episode with another adoptive family. Today we have Michael and Tony on the podcast. They are an adoptive couple and they have one daughter who they adopted and then they've also done foster care.
0: Some exciting news on the podcast front. We actually just hit 11,000 downloads. So thank you to all of you, our listeners, for your support and listening to the podcast. When we started, we had no idea the amount of people would be able to connect with and uh, what we might be able to do to influence the adoption community. It's been really enriching. We've actually received several messages from adoptive parents and adoptees and birth parents all saying how the podcast has benefited them and helped them so we're so grateful that we can be here with you guys and for each of you who come back every week and listen to us
1: and we're so grateful for the chance to be learning each week too from all of these different perspectives
0: honestly i feel like i've learned a ton in the last several months and now we'll jump to our interview with michael and tony Okay, well we are now on the podcast with Michael and Tony. Thanks guys so much for being with us today.
2: Hey, thank you, our pleasure.
0: Well, we're excited to get to learn about you and hear your story. Um, To get started, can you just introduce yourselves just a little bit?
2: Sure, sure. I'm Michael and this is Tony. And I do talk. (laughs) When he doesn't have a cracker in his mouth. Truly. Um, And we live in um, Sherman Oaks, California, and uh, we've been married for uh, nine years. Mm -hmm. And how long have we been together?
3: And we've been together since 2008,
2: I guess you could say. Uh, So
3: roughly, what, 13 years or so this Christmas Eve? That was our first date. That was pretty evident from our first date. Uh, We both wanted to have a family. We had both come from dynamic families. I'm one of six Michael is one of three, and um, very funny upbringing, loud, raucous, sharing, crazy, you know, good good times, good family upbringing. Um, a few years between the two of us, I'm a little bit older than Michael. You are? Yeah, I am. It's a surprise. I wanted to do it right here on the podcast. Awkward. All of that you know, <laughs> falsified documentation. Uh, I'm going to be 53, and Michael is 38. Yes. So there's a few presidencies between us, and um, yeah, we had a successful first date, and uh, family was going to be uh, uh, for you know foremost in our, our goals together if the relationship worked out. And it
2: did. Yes. Yes.
1: And what do you guys enjoy doing?
2: Oh gosh, it's so funny because um, we we're right now um, working on our our next adoption actually. Yes. So we were just filling out. <laughs> information um this weekend Um, you know like sometimes you make like a brochure about your life and things together and it's asking all these hobbies and and um um so it's funny you should ask i feel like it should be hot on our mind yeah um we do a lot of traveling Mm -hmm. for sure absolutely Uh, mostly to see our family sort of that i don't know we just really like um we have to stay active we have a five-year-old daughter Mm -hmm. you know and um, we stay active with her, hiking. Um, yesterday, we took the train down to Oceanside, which is like San Diego area. And that was a fun little trip for her. Um, we do a lot of dog walking and um,
3: bicycling beach. beach. She helps me cook. We're a big food family. Yeah. And uh, that's fun. Uh, her job is setting the table for supper and uh we bake and uh we'll make food for people and do you know little drops if someone's in need yeah you know we're we're pretty tight as a unit
0: by the way we love southern california and go there as much as we can (laughs) beach time is good for the soul
3: (laughs) yeah yeah, taking the train down the coast was, to San Diego was great because she, you know, she got the experience of traveling by rail and uh, watching out on the ocean towards Camp Pendleton. There's surfers, there's dolphin, you know, bright sunshine. Good stuff.
1: Yeah, you awesome. guys have an, yeah, it's an amazing place
3: to live. How cool. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's beautiful up where you are in the mountains.
0: Oh, we I mean, love, we it. love yeah, it. Yeah, lots of good hiking.
3: God, it's beautiful up there, yes,
0: yes. Well, let's have you jump in and share some of your experience with us regarding adoption and foster care. We'd love to hear your story and how it kind of is all unfolded.
2: Sure, um, do you wanna go first? Please. Okay, um, well, as Tony said, like on our first date, we we talked about family, wanting to have family, and, or have a family, and um, adoption was always just like at the forefront. Um, Tony has uh, five siblings. One of them, uh, his sister, had already adopted as well. Um, she has two daughters adopted from Guatemala. And uh, my mom is adopted. And at that time, like um, Neil Patrick Harris and his husband, David Burka, were like at the forefront of like doing the, the whole insemination and kind of like. Um, leaving it to chance to see which one would actually be the, the parents of their twins. And that was always like um, a bit of a, uh, a I don't want to say a dream. We joked about it, but I think we both knew that adoption was really where we wanted to go instead of like a surrogacy, you know, type of thing. Um, so um, yeah, um, we're very traditional. We got married and, um, where it was legal at the time and um, bought a house, got got a a dog, mm -hmm. planted azaleas, Mm -hmm. very traditional. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And and then we decided to start a family. So uh, we started our adoption process in 2015 Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, took the classes and did all the brochures like I was just mentioning and met all the other people. And interestingly enough, um we were the only gay couple in all right. of our classes which i thought was interesting yeah um and um yeah it was it it's different for everybody um but you know for us it just adoption made sense you know yeah
3: and the 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 the, the training etc that michael was talking about too runs the gamut where you're very it's very interesting like you know water safety, CPR, Heimlich you know a lot of things that probably other couples wouldn't have to be qualified in before they start a family water safety That's true. you know I'm sure that you know person yep. one person <laughs> two and the courting says are you certified to boat and sa- boat safety and rescue uh, the and some of the materials and <laughs> the training that we would look at would be, Completely outdated. Some unbelievable in the uh, um, one-sidedness and the sexism, and but uh, this, these are materials from an older date. Society is going in a different direction, and uh, to have to garner that knowledge. Okay, we're gonna have to bite our tongues on certain things. It's fascinating, uh, but you know, crossing those bridges as we brand and market our heart is what we had to do at the time birth rates were down and uh, adoption was not very successful and so we had a uh almost 18 month uh search before we were matched and uh it was uh, a wonderful it was obviously it was meant to be that she came to us because our daughter is remarkable and we become fascinating uh, shades of ourselves you know we don't rock climb anymore and we paint rocks in the backyard and we're gifted <laughs> we're gifted through so many small actions because of adoption and because of the love that came to us so hey a little water safety along the part. It's, it's, nice, uh, <laughs> it's a nice conversation point
2: yeah <laughs> yeah we just i guess we just kind of lucked out um it was um the early part of 2016 and I kind of started to like lose hope already because we were a year into it. And I was just like, people keep saying, you know, no, when we submit our profile and our home studies. And I was like, I just, I'm getting older over here. You know? I was like,
3: did you show them the lasagna that I made? I mean,
2: the is gorgeous. <laughs> they still said no. They still said no. And so we just kind of, I don't know. Um, well, oh, that's what we did um, I decided to f- have a new project Yeah, we needed a project Something else to, to kind of focus on So we decided to put an addition onto our home And um, as soon as the architect finished the drawings <laughs> A baby fell <laughs> We got matched with the birth mom So our daughter, her birth parents um, came to us Because they actually already had a, another mm-hmm. Um, agreement essentially with another couple, and the other couple fell through.
3: Yeah, at the last minute, they the Whoa. the couple decided to um, cancel the arrangement, and so they were they were spinning. They were you know personally affronted by this, and so late and you know it's a series of conversations. It's a series of trusts that you have to earn and share with each other on something so incredible as adoption and, and multifaceted that you know to have them blown up like that was disturbing. So they came at us very guarded and they came at us cautious as a same sex couple, um, but um, earnest enough to have the conversation and still have some humor in their uh, persona. And uh, it was a very easy bond between all of us. And, uh, and it was a three month pregnancy, really. She was, uh, we, we matched the end of March, uh,
2: end of May, and the baby was
3: to be born in
2: early September. Yeah. So th- I didn't realize how, like we had been let down so many times, if you will, you know, you get your hopes up and things fall through. They had come with that same kind of like, we want you guys to realize we're in this. If you are like, don't back out on us. And I was like, Oh no, no, we won't. <laughs> you're you're not going to. Right. And so I, I never kind of thought about it that way. They really, they needed us as much as we needed them. After that, you know, we, we kept in contact with them and then we met them a month before we flew to meet them. And well, the back of the house has been ripped off. Our <laughs> house. Yes, <laughs> yes of, yeah. course. of course. Um, and um, it was so, it was just a very interesting uh, meeting. Um, I guess maybe you have an idea in your mind of, you know, we showed up to their door, we had flowers, a toy for mm-hmm. their son, and we knocked and knocked and knocked. And I was like, okay, I text her when we got off the plane, like, where did they go? Ooh. And I was like, oh my God, they left! They left! They left us! They left us! <laughs> and then I was like, wait, are we at the wrong place? You know, <laughs> we're like, our neighbor's gonna start looking at us. And um, I don't know, I, we called, And here they had like run out to the store to like buy food for dinner. They were going to cook for us. And that was
3: so thoughtful. Yeah. And, you know, they they were they were from, you know, not a lot of means. So they were they were getting plates, you know, they were getting paper plates they were getting because they were going to cook and everything. But there's they didn't have certain basics there, you know, and they went out to get that and scramble and they were going to make sure that we were comfortable and it was
2: it was hospitality It was lovely. And then, so when they, they did come back, we didn't want to be there, Tony was like, we're not going to be
0: here. I was like, we're going to be here, there, I'm I'm get, wait, get the car. Get out of the,
2: the car. I'm waiting right here until they get back from Walmart. I'm not going anywhere. So we drove around. So we come back, we pull in, we see the cars in front of their place, like, okay, they're here, you know? And um, our daughter's birth father, birth father is coming out. He's like unloading the car, just like a simple, like, hello, like, hello, neighbor, you know, and goes back in and we're like, Guess we'll go in after you. You know, we walk in, and then um, our daughter's birth mom is changing her son, and she's sitting on this on the bed, and she's like, "Hi, nice to meet you." I was like, "Hi, how are you?" And your mind, you—I mean, maybe someone like me, I just felt like there was going to be doves flying and this like halo over her head when I meet her, and it's like. Right, it was you going know. to be a, a, more of a hallmark moment, you know. Yeah, and it was just very um... after school special. <laughs> and then after the, you know, we just sat down and talked all night. I just they were like old <laughs> friends, Absolutely. you know. I, we've you know met each other in maybe another life because it was incredibly so. Yeah. Um, yeah they had placed prior uh, we asked them questions yeah like, okay and what about this and what about that and oh, did you name did you did you allow the family, the birth family or adopted family name. A
3: friend had donated breast milk to us. So we were going to be traveling with our own breast milk. She's like, okay, so I'll be delivering at this hospital. Okay. They're going to force breastfeeding on me. And she says, you have to be forefront with your birth plan. It's a birth plan. you got to be upfront with them and just tell them that they're not going to force lactation on that, that you're going to be carrying this, that they need to keep that available to you and to bring it to you. The nurses cycling will be changing. So be aware that when the nurses change that that next one's going to have to, I mean, they were like, well, we'd be like, thank you. Thank you for taking us by the hand on this. They have one child still in their care who has special needs. So, I mean, their lot in life is heavy. Yeah, they were really special people. So, and yeah, they, she, when she delivered, I stayed in the, in the room with her that night because she had had her. Oh, man. Uh, oh.
2: That's the other thing, too, that just heads up. You don't think about it, but, you know, typically there's the mom and, you know, the spouse in the room, and the baby and like with an adoption, there's a lot of people in this room, you know, in a very small room where you're like, I'm just wanna, okay, excuse me. And I'm gonna get her, okay, there, and you move this way, and you know, cause there just was no room.
3: <laughs> Nurse is addressing her, you know, as mom. She's like, not the mom, that's the mom over there. Yeah, that's me, I'm the mom, hi. <laughs> did you try did you try to breastfeed they have milk i have the milk i told bianca the milk is in the service station it's right behind her lunch go find it um and she the the, the bio mom was uh so remarkable she looks at us and she was just telling you know people like i'm not sad about this it's 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 kind of like i'm with old friends and uh and uh, it's, it's, it's easy for me to do this um, because I see what's happening and what's going to happen. And we can't do that, but you gentlemen
2: can. I was in there with, with our daughter and her birth mom, and I was trying to re-swaddle her. And of course, you know, your first one, you're like, when I practice, the bear didn't move. <laughs> and she got up out of bed. She was like, let me help you. And I was like, Okay, are you yeah. sure? Because she did make it a point not to like want to hold her too much. Yeah. You know, matter of fact, our daughter came early. She was supposed to be a C section on the 21st of September, but there was a harvest moon that weekend and everybody went into labor. So she came early. And um, so we were on a flight there and of course we get there and there's an issue with the rental car and anyways the birth mom was texting us like how far are you guys away (laughs) she needs to be fed and they want me to feed her i'm like we're coming we're coming you know um so she was she knew her boundaries i guess yeah and um so when she helped me swaddle her it was a very sweet sweet moment yeah
3: yeah we got there she was born in the evening and then the following morning we got there and michael was there just in time to to bathe our daughter
2: and uh Mm. oh yeah so i pick her up and you know i have my moment like the most beautiful thing i've ever seen in my life you know transformative and then i just start to notice she still has a lot of blood like in her hair and i was like um don't these things come clean you know what are you guys doing and the nurse was like well we wanted to wait for you guys to give her a bath to show you and i was like oh Okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha.
3: Now, mind you, she was scheduled for a C-section on Tuesday. She came on Friday night and I was trying to prep Michael with some YouTube videos saying, this is actually what a C-section hat. This is how it happened. <gasps> I said, yeah, you want to be in the room, right? I think you should be outside. I should be in the room.
2: Oh, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be.
3: <gasps> I'm like, oh, yep, this is what happens in a C-section. Neither of us were there.
2: Yeah. So then, then um, her birth mom really wanted to to be discharged, but we had rented like an Airbnb close. It, and I went and I bought all this food at the grocery store, <laughs> prepared food. We were going to be there for you know a few days. You know, like meatloaf and mac and cheese from the deli department. And um, I spent so much money that my credit card company called to be like, there's a charge in a state you don't really go to. And I was like, no, that's me, that's me. We just had a baby. Um, and then we did get discharged and um, the next day was a Monday, and then all the paperwork is through. You guys can go home. We <laughs> were like, what? Right now? You, you know? know? Yeah, we're supposed to be here a bit, you know? We were totally planning to be there for a while. So um, we, um, y- you know, they in all your classes, they talk about the goodbye is really hard for the, you know, the birth parents. So we wanted to say goodbye. So we took all the food that I bought and we dropped it off at their house. And um, yeah, she got to say goodbye and um, she was, they were both Mm -hmm. really good. We asked if they wanted to hold her and they were okay. Just she was in in her car seat sleeping and she looked at her and we took a couple pictures together and um, they were like, all right, we'll see you later.
3: When we had come up to meet them, they had arranged to have a 3D imagery for us. So we got an advanced preview of uh, you know the mashed potatoes that looked like a baby up on a big screen, <laughs> and um, very very sweet. They had when we went to say goodbye, they had had a little gift for her and uh, for us. I mean, on top of everything they've already done, and uh, we you know it was you know it was lump in the throat moment. It really was. It was just you, there are no words for that moment on such a on such an occasion that you can properly meet the the feelings or even the act. So you do the best you can like parenting and you just, you know, pre COVID and everything, you're able to give some hugs and just say um, thank you. And um, we'll talk soon.
2: It's an interesting moment. That's for sure. Unlike anything else. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You've, You've went through this, you've gone through this whole experience, you know, that feels like, Months or even years, but it was merely a couple days, and lives were were changed. Lives were formed, you know. Right. and um, then and it's like, I'll, I'll see you. Yeah, thank you. Is thank you is thank you big enough? You to, know?
3: to recap, for anybody just tuning in right now to listen, that's our goes from on our first date talking about a baby to courtship, still hoping to have a family one day to getting married, finding a home to finding a dog. To getting boat certified and water safety certified to search, to search, to search, to find, to prepare. And do you really prepare? Do you you don't paint the nursery because everything's still up in the air to getting matched to the baby coming to, okay, now you're pregnant in 36 hours to booking plane tickets, getting breast milk to watching your daughter arrive to giving her her bath to all of a sudden saying goodbye to these people that all of a sudden became family. And, uh, And the timeline and the gestation of it all is not, it's, it's alien, you know, to everything else that's out there, contrary to
2: how you hear. And what's interesting is, um, so my mom was born in a time where there wasn't open adoption. So everything was closed and, um, and she has very strong feelings about adoption, which anybody who was adopted would probably have. And so, um, I, I know I took on a lot of her feelings, being you know her kid and knowing um, I didn't I I didn't know her father. He died before we were born, but I did know her mom, my grandmother, and having a personal attachment to that. That at the beginning I did not want an open adoption because I thought it would be so hurtful to my mom, and then I realized so much has changed. In, in life and so much can be um, gifted to you from knowing these people or that person. And um, so I had all these pre- preconceived notions, like now I have such a love for this woman and you know these people um, that, because people often ask, like, oh, this is the best. People oh, wait, say, <laughs> are, you, are you gonna tell her she's adopted? Like, well, she's got <laughs> two dads, she's gonna figure that out first. <laughs> you know, um, the jig is up. And so, um, so yeah, if, you know, if and when she's ready or maybe she won't be whatever, I'm, I welcome the chance to, to see these people again. Yeah. You know, and she, um, you know, she looks a lot like her birth dad, you know, a lot like him. And he kind of just looks like me, like a white guy, you know what I mean? Like, like fair skin. And so people often say like, "Oh, she looks like you," and I'm like, "Oh, her, you know, her birth dad looks like me. And we're just white people. I don't know. <laughs> Nothing special about us, you know." <laughs> um, and so it's it's a trip. But we have pictures of her biological siblings, and there's there's a couple girls, so she can have an idea. Yep. Of, a couple of them she looks very familiar to, you know. Yep. And so. I have this whole book created for her, you know? So when she's ready, we can look through it. Cause right now, you know, <laughs> you know, I'll, we tell her all the time, you know, like brush your teeth, get ready for bed. We love you, you're adopted, you know? She's like, hey, you know, but um she doesn't know what adopted means yet, really. She knows that
3: her family is unique and she knows that all families come from uh, different origins, uh, different ages, you know, they can come from, uh different points of creation different they can have different faces they can have uh, a, a myriad of um possibilities to them and that the center of it all is love and the center of it all is you know it's we're a family and we're a team you know um and
2: yeah which is kind of how we got into then then fostering right um yeah so it just kind of felt like there are kids that, a lot of kids that need help and we can be of service to help them. And, you know, the cherry on the top is, you know, if one of them. Maybe is, one stays. Can stay, you know, be adopted. So um, so we got into fostering um, in 20, I think uh, we started in 2018, but I didn't finish. The paperwork yeah. was even more extensive. Even than more adop- extensive adoption. than Adoption. Primarily because well now we have a kid, so yeah. then she becomes a ward know.
3: of the state and then she becomes into our care and we have to be
2: Yeah, well but also like all, all her information needs yeah. to go in, you know, her immunizations and then um we knew we were gonna need help like babysitters and so you have to get them approved and there's a it took me forever. Right. They get, need to be live scanned. Your
3: house, you know, scan. every everything needs to be crawled up to because the, <laughs> oh, the government's really? involved, the state is involved. There's a uh, privacy that needs to be respected on, you know, all of the parties of the, the child's, uh, you know, family, etc. cetera. Uh, there's, there's caseworkers, there's social workers, there's OT, there's PT. There's all kinds of stuff that's going to come in regional center and all kinds of stuff that's going to come. There's a sea of people now in
2: foster. Yeah. Yeah, so, but we finally got approved. Yep, thank God. Yep, it takes forever. Um, and then um, yeah, so since then we've been fostering. We've had three placements, um, and each one has been um, reunified. And um, we were fostering um, boys at first because yep. we w- we wanted to get experience with a little guy. And then we just were open to whatever. We were like, okay,
3: once you do one,
2: you're done. You know (laughs) what I mean?
3: (laughs) And we're approved for two beds. And so we could take a sibling set. Uh, We were approved zero to three. So we'll take a newborn, um, which is, you know, I just, you give me a baby and I'm happy as a pig. And you know what? I mean, it's just the, the smell and I don't mind the midnight feedings. I don't mind the swaddling, whatever. And he's just like, you're nuts. I said, I know. But we wanted to do it uh, because there is a system right now that's overloaded with children in need. And there is a system that's not very effective. And we were educated as we went along the way, not just in classes of you know, uh, all kinds of upkeep, uh, you know, implicit bias and all kinds of interesting things. But we learned w- how, how DCFS works and how these families uh, that get caught up in it um, operate. But we proposed it to our daughter and we were uh, hopeful that she was going to take, because when we first just talked about family, we we wanted to have something in permanency and that was going to be our our cornerstone and that was our daughter. And then soon after that, if we were to able to help some people, would we want to do it? So it was discussed that we would do this as a family. We would do it as a team. Everybody's responsible. You help clean, you help feed. Even the dog would have to fetch a toy or something. (laughs) Everybody, but we do it as a family. And the new arrivals were never uh, embraced as sibling or maybe they're going to stay because you don't want to paint the nursery. You don't want to loft the balloon too soon. Um, You wanted to approach it pragmatically and you wanted to make sure that the child, the placement had the services, et cetera, but also insulate your family and be smart about it because emotionally you you need to prepare that and have that wall up there um, and also for efficiency because you're gonna to need to do some extra steps at the end of the day. This child is gonna be reunified. And so let's make sure that they, they get everything that we can do for them. If they need OT services, if they need socks, shoes, they arrived and they were sore ridden and you're you know gonna get the salve for them and they need, you know. They need, and so you address it, and they have nightmares, and you're going to squeeze them. And I'm sorry, you know, sometimes it's going to disturb the sleep in the household, but all of us together contribute to that. And the moment that one of us wants to step out of it, then we'll have a discussion on how we're going to have to table it. And um, it's tough, it's very tough.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think one of the biggest lessons I learned, and this was after we, our first placement was the longest. He stayed for 8 months and naive foster parents we were like he's going to be the one. We're going to stay. You know, we're going to adopt him, you know, but looking back it was incredibly clear. Um his parents, you know, they kept in touch. They called every night to check in on him. Um they did their visitations, you know, they did their due diligence. Um But uh, he was here the longest and through the holidays. And um, there was a lot of bonding and a lot of milestones that he achieved with us, which is phenomenal. (laughs) (laughs) And you do all this work and then they go back and you're like, oh, okay, now you're walking. Okay, you know, Um, but um, I think one of the things, the hardest lessons I learned was I think you should absolutely treat your foster placements or children like they are your own, but raise them to the specific needs that they have. Um, For instance, this young guy was neglected. And so he needed a lot of love, you know, especially when he came back to us after a placement, he would be incredibly needy and need to be held. And, you know, when you have two kids and you're trying to make dinner and, We have, we, we did at the time had separate shifts. So Tony was the day dad, he had them during the day. And then I was the night dad. So, you know, cooking by myself and bath story bath, and then bedtime was very stressful. And a lot of times I would, you know, I would treat him like I would treat my daughter like, okay, I can't pick you up right now. You just got to get over it. But then when you look back and you take all these continuing education classes yearly I remember we were taking one on neglect, and like out of the eight signs, he had seven of them. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my god, I should have picked them up. Why didn't I pick him up that night? He needed me. It was after a visit. He'd been all day with them yeah. and he needed it from me. I was like, I'm fired, you know. So <laughs> that was one of the learning lessons because we're gonna, he's gonna go back. And I wanted him to be, I was like, dude, listen, you it's gonna to be tough for you you you've got to be strong and i want you to be strong but in that moment i know that he needed he needed more yeah you know? he came to us as um
3: uh frenetic and reactionary and untrusting and you know he'd been oh, such such neglect and you know behind developmentally and we had gotten him the services and we went to the appointments and we got it up walking and we got it up talking. And by the time he was reunified, it was right about the time when the shutdown walked out, he walked around this house like a little Lord, flaunt Lord. Oh, he had a strut, he had a, a chipper little smile. And I was like, Michael, Zanalu, you know, we did that. We did that together. And that, you know, little nit, he, the, the reunification happened very fast. It was terrible. It was like, you know, it was our first one. So we didn't know what to expect, but everything was shutting down with, the, with COVID and everything. And it was just mind spinning that you could call us at quarter after 10 and the baby is gone at one fifteen. And, uh, he wasn't a baby at that point. He was you know, a year and a half. and I mean, it was just, it was mind blowing, but we had done it and it was amazing. And, uh, from my experience out of it, uh, the positivity, um, not long ago I had run into the, uh, the, the, the family and, um, you know, they, they, uh, embraced the experience and embraced us like, you know, we, we miss you, you know, we, we our, our child misses your daughter. Um, here, you want to see pictures? We should get together in a park. They could play together. And I, saw, I got to see pictures of a happy kid, you know, so much positivity on that, you know. And so we'll count that as a win. And at that time, we were having an issues with the placement that had come back to us who was not in such a, a, a good situation. and uh, But look at what we've done in the past. And even still, when that placement came back to us, he recognized us and we were fixing problems on that one. And you know when that one came to us, we had a baby. We were a party of five, we had a newborn. The newborn stuck with us for a little bit. We we're actually, the name that we had given them, the baby that didn't have a name, the bio family that took them on loved the name. And that little light left us and went out into 68. We got pictures at Halloween of that one. And I look at these little victories, and I, ha- I hold on to these little victories because this is what we signed up for, you know. Like parents, there's going to be wins, there's going to be losses, and you know, it's just um, at the end of the day, we want to tell anybody that's going to foster reunification is going to happen. At the end of the day, the government tells the states that needs to happen. The state tells their workers, and on you know, unless something horrible happens to that child on the other side of the line, that baby's going to go back there. So. Knit its blankets, give it its squeezes, do everything in your power to keep your mind straight and love that little son of a gun. And love that son of a gun. And maybe they glean to it. And maybe they glean to it and it helps them out of their dark situation down the road. You know, it broadens their experience. And um, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people will say that when we tell people we foster and they're like, Oh, I could never do that. I could never do that. I could never <laughs> give them back. Or like that is a really hard part of it, but that's not even like really it, you know, it's, uh, there, there, there's, you know, there's this whole mentality going into it. You know that, so that's not even the hard part. If you ask me personally, um, it's, um, it's that your, your hands are a bit tied Mm -hmm. with everything. And, you know, my only advice is just, you know, keep advocating as hard as you can. You're going to get a lot of Voicemails and you know, yeah, we've written you know like forms to the judges and yeah, we've heard comments back like oh the judge didn't like what you wrote because it sounded like you wanted to adopt the kid. I was like well have your honor give me a call. I'll tell him you know or her <laughs> that. The adoption wasn't the the primary focus. Uh, the kid's safety and health is the primary focus. So.
3: Yeah, the transparency is not always there. Phone calls are not always returned. Uh, truth is half spoken. So you need to be diligent and an advocate, like advocate, like Mark Michael said. You need to you need to really be aggressive on top of nurturing the little something that needs the extra love to come back from where they were. So. Get ready, get yourself a cup of coffee and sit down and, and get just your, get yourself busy because there's going to be some steps involved.
2: Yeah, I was listening to a podcast um, with Tiffany Haddish and um, she is a product of the L.A. Um, foster system and um, she does so much for um the community as far as where she was raised and um, I guess we could call it like central LA Mm -hmm. and um, and she mentioned that when she you know she gets to a point she would love to adopt one day because no that's all she ever wanted was to get adopted and nobody ever adopted her and I mean she was breaking up while she was saying this on a podcast and it made me incredibly sad because I felt like there are so many Tiffany Haddishes out there that just want to be adopted, you know, and she was the one gen. I mean, look what she's done with her life and her career. Yep. She is a forefront and um, makes me want to like work with her on a project to get more kids adopted because um, I feel like the system ties people up, and yeah. ties, ties up children, you know. Yep. You have to wonder what got through to them. What agency,
3: you know, was successful with them? That spoke to them. That that kept, let them persevere. You know, what what did they fascinate on and hook onto? Literature, art, science, mathematics, food. What 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 was it that you held onto? What was your life preserver in the moment? That while you were in such a a, a dark period, got you through. Got you creative. Got you successful. You know, um, I'm sure every case is relative, but. Um, how important it is that, that, that you were reached, you know, and, and that you were able to nurture. So uh, your, your talents, because there's just, I mean, you don't want to say inventory out there, but there's a, a wall of people.
0: That's so awesome. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just kind of reflecting on both experiences you've shared. And I, th- I feel like you both have articulated really well, a lot of lessons or messages that many of our listeners can learn from. And, uh, Whether it's with adoption or foster care, everything that we do, everything we pour into these children is to bless them and to help them to have the best future that they can have. Right. Mm -hmm. And no matter what the situation is, whether that's a child that's going to be permanently part of your family or one that you may have an influence on over for a few weeks or months, um, as much as we can love on these kids and help them have that peace or, you know, calm in life, um, it's, it's going to it's going to help them in the future, even if we can't see that um, in the moment. Mm-hmm. So I, I love the way that you said that. And I think the feeling that I have is just like, I wanna go love on my kids and uh, make sure that they, mm-hmm. they feel that.
1: All right, so a question that we get asked a lot from prospective adoptive parents is, how do you know if foster care or adoption is the right option for your family? What would you tell those people?
2: Oh, that's a really good question. Mm. How do you know? Gosh. Oh man, that's a really tough one. Right. I feel like if you're looking for a family, I would do adoption, um, foster care. I feel like you're making a huge difference. And like I was kind of saying before, it's the cherry on top that you maybe hopefully one day get to adopt. Cause it's a much longer process. I mean, yeah, it's a much longer process. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's heartache in both, for sure. You know, there's there's a lot of resources that are spent in both. Um, but I think if you wanna build your family, I, um, I would focus on adoption, you know, for sure. For building, the, yeah, for building a permanent
0: family. Mm-hmm. What do you wish uh, you could tell yourself, you know, looking back at the beginning of your adoption journey, um, if you can go back and talk to yourselves, um, knowing what you know now, what what would you share with yourself?
2: <laughs> I would say be patient. Um, Tony always tells me in life, it's about process, not results, which I hate when he says it. <laughs> uh, but I would tell myself, absolutely be patient um because i firmly believe i think there was a saying years ago that adopted children are but i firmly believe that your child chooses you whether it's through adoption or through flying into your belly and you know and coming to the world that way um and so i think you have to i would tell myself to practice patience she's just got to find us or he you know
0: Anything you
3: have? Yeah, I would say lean into the social workers, the caseworkers, with everything you have got. Believe half of what they tell you, and don't be afraid to to call their supervisors. Lean into them. And I, I wish I'd had that at the beginning because I mean I'm not shy at all for adoption, but for uh, for uh, foster, but oh. I would I would tell myself that um, at the at the at the beginning, my younger self, you know, with fostering. Ask the questions, be the nuisance, be the nuisance, be the nuisance.
0: Be the nuisance, okay. Got it. (laughs) All right. Let's see.
1: So what do you wish that other people knew about adoption and building your family this way?
2: I don't know if it's a regret or we're so open. I would share a lot of our story with friends and people would kind of sometimes judge and misconstrue our daughter's birth parents uh, reasoning for doing this. And they'd often retort back with like, oh, are they just doing this for blah, blah, blah. And I would be like, I don't know why they're doing it. And I don't care. All I care is that they've made the hard decision to place the child. They've chosen us and we've chosen them. It doesn't matter. I wish that people, and you. I mean, who doesn't want like a better world with judgmental free, but I wish that people just had the empathy to put themselves in other people's positions like People are placing because they know they can't parent and that might be from resources yeah. it might be because they're in a bad situation it might be because something terrible happened and some assault happened mm-hmm. you know and you share this with people and they're like oh i had no idea women get pre- uh, pregnant as a result of a rape and they want to place the baby because they don't believe in abortion yes that's a reality right and are we open to that hell yeah because it's not the kids fault mm-hmm. how they came into this world yep. so i wish that I guess to answer your question more people had a a logical open-mindedness and and things aren't just so black and white you know like little Susie got knocked up at 15 oh okay she's placing the baby no it's not always like that and if she did who are you to judge back off you know
0: (laughs) I love that (laughs) yeah I I think you said it pretty well so what uh, I mean you've talked about your daughter's birth family as you know being part of your family or having a relationship with them? What does that kind of look like right now? And how do you nurture that?
3: Uh, the uh, we, we know how to reach them. And they, uh, as Michael said, you know, we had concepts and precepts of an open adoption at the beginning when we started the journey. And then that fell to the side. Um, and how they engaged us also was just like, you know, we don't need a card on mother's day, you know, we, and I know that they through social, they can keep tabs on us um, and we're good with that. And they have the, the preferred mode of communication that we asked them to to do that. And, uh, and that's cool. But right now I think for are about more than six months. They're, they're, they're out there and we haven't heard back from them. so. We know that they're they're well. We know they're watching. We know that if we, um, well, you know, put a concerted effort out there, we would get them. But uh, we also know that their preference was, we're good, and um,
2: and yeah, I've tried to reach out a couple times, um, and I don't think they're not getting back to us for any particular reason. But I know as she grows older and grows up, and maybe has more questions. Or wants more information that will be right there ready. Like what you know, do you want a card? Should we write her a letter? You know, absolutely. Do you want a picture? Yep. I would I think I would love more than anything, especially with social media, if she, when she's older it's still around, that she has a relationship with her birth siblings of keeping in contact um that would be very unique oh my god for her her extended family like that absolutely absolutely if she ever wanted to meet them you know like i said i I want to see them again so let's just tell me when they're coming over for supper so i can prepare or we could leave and then make them knock on the door
0: (laughs) (laughs) that was a good circle back (laughs) well um as we as we kind of wrap up any other like a lot, I mean, we have all members of the adoption triad listening to our podcast, right? Adoptees, birth parents, um, and adoptive parents. What, what would be kind of like your parting advice or words of wisdom or, or kind of maybe your soapbox that you share when it comes to adoption?
3: Well, like Michael said, it doesn't, it doesn't matter where they came from or how they came from. Um, you do your diligence and you know in your heart and your head and your circumstance what you can do. And uh, and get ready because it doesn't matter where they came from, how they came from, whatever, they're there now. Mm-hmm. All right? And they're there now. And they came to you for a reason. Okay? They chose you. They chose you. You love them. You love them. The process is, is, is important, but what happens is the moment. And that moment is in your hands right now. And you do the utmost level best you can. I know that, that that one came
2: to you. I also think about I wish more people did adopt in a sense because it is such an open conversation now than it was, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 15, 16 mm-hmm. years ago. And I know whenever I would like share that my mom is also adopted, people will often reply back with, Oh, did she ever find her mom? I'm like, Oh, she did when she was born on August 29th, 1956. And my grandmother adopted her. That's when she found her mom, you know? I know what they're trying to say, but I think people have this preconceived notion that if you're adopted at some point, you've got to find your biological family. And I think one thing I would like people to know also is that adoption isn't about knowing where you came from. It's about knowing who you are. And that means different things to different people. I I want people
3: to know that it's not transactional. It ain't Macy's, you idiots. It's (laughs) matter. It's emotion. And it's how... You're, the, the child doesn't need the transaction to complete them as a person you've completed them in the in the love and the care and the education and the experience that you've brought them because they brought that to you and it's a circle we all do it as a team and everybody contributes okay and how we all got there is irrelevant at the end of the day what matters is the individual that's forming in front of your eyes and what they're going to go forward to do
1: thank you so much you guys we loved hearing your story and your thoughts
3: we really we appreciate the opportunity and we appreciate your podcast very much so
1: Hey, thank Thank you guys so much.
0: We really appreciate it. Thank
3: you guys for doing this. Absolutely. Thank you very much.
2: Appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Open Adoption Project.
0: We want to thank Michael and Tony for sharing their story and experiences with us. We think it's really important for us as members of the adoption community to understand different perspectives and stories, and so we're just glad that they were able to share from their perspective.
1: Yeah, and I think it's always valuable to hear from parents who have done foster care and the different challenges and rewards they feel from fostering connections with these children. Next week, we're excited to hear from an adoptee. Addison is an adoptee who was born in China And she and her friend Libby host a podcast called Adoptee Meets World, and it's wonderful. I've listened to it, and I encourage you to check it out. And it's so fun to hear her experiences and her thoughts and different things that she's learned, challenges she's faced, and just learning from her as an adoptee voice. Always such an important and rewarding thing.
0: Thanks again to Michael and Tony, and thanks to each of you for listening to this episode of The Open Adoption Project.